Welcome to Living Holistically with Dane and Indy, your hosts, where we share with you some of the most empowering ways to live a life that's caring to ourselves, others, and the planet. We will be delving into a related topic every Tuesday, one season at a time, bringing you the experts behind the practices and tools we've tried and tested over the years. So keep listening and enjoy the show. Today's episode is a little different as the guest is my co-host and partner, Dane Barkley, founder of Barkley Eyewear and co-founder of Live Holistically. For those of you who aren't familiar with Dane, he is a holistic health coach, having studied at the renowned Institute of Integrative Nutrition in New York, as well as the Human Potential Institute and with Mark Sisson. He is also the creator of the world's first interchangeable four-in-one blue blockers, And we hope you don't mind, but this episode is a bit longer than usual, so we could really dive deep into Dane's health journey, particularly around sleep, and his views on blue light, the sun, and sunglasses, as well as many of the common questions and misconceptions around artificial light and blue blockers. We also cover what to look for in a pair of blue blocking glasses, so you don't end up wasting your money, and three affordable and simple tips for sleep you can take action on today. So be sure to stick around till the end for that, as well as check out the show notes for links to everything we discuss. And now let's jump straight in. So for everyone listening, would you be able to go into your backstory behind getting so interested into sleep specifically, and then that leading you to make the blue blocking eyewear? Yeah. Just before I do a start, I want to share that I we try to record this episode about a month ago. And it was a train wreck because I tried to write my own questions to answer them myself. And I came in with the, um, with the sort of the intention of trying to share how good my glasses are compared to others out there. And it was just terrible. It was a really bad situation. So we didn't, uh, record that one. So this one today hopefully goes a bit differently. So and I just kept looking at Dane. So now I've got a sign saying, don't look at Dane because we know how terrible that is for yeah. the audio. You literally have a whiteboard <laughs> in front of our Mac here saying, don't look at Dane. So <laughs> it's a reminder for Indy to not turn her head away from the microphone. So it sounds better for the audio. Okay, so back to your question about, I guess, uh, how this started or how I got into sleep. I I guess sleep, I've, I felt I've always slept quite well in my life. It wasn't like I had major sleep issues to get me on this path. I felt, uh, I think, I guess when I started in 2014 is when I started into the health journey. If you go back to the introduction episode, I go through it briefly, uh, how I got uh, sort of interested in that space and it was, I think it was a long, definitely along my journey that I found I was, was sleep was coming up quite a lot. And most of the, like the experts in this health um, professionals I was listening to, I was reading, sleep was consistently just up there as a, um, as a huge priority for the, all them, regardless of their dietary beliefs and everything else down the track as well. So I felt they would all agree on the one thing of the sleep of being such a pillar and so important. And so I felt that was the, um, an area I was particularly focused on optimizing and to see how I can get the most out of my sleeping hours that can then affect my waking hours and which would then go back into my sleeping hours and just that whole sort of cycle there. And so I got really, I guess, fascinated and deep into it. And I've been doing it now for years and have experimented with so many different uh, tools, I guess, with when it comes to sleep what things that can have improvement that things that haven't really moved the needle forward much at all and so i've felt like i've learned a lot and over that period of last few years with sleep at least and i don't know i'm not really sure why i'm so deeply fascinated with it i guess i just intuitively know how important the pillow of sleep is and perfect timing for sleep being our very first season of this podcast and so with sleep, I guess part of that as well, and which ties into lighting and blue blockers, I my sort of journey with sleep, I guess I learned so much along the way, but that led me into obviously light and the effects that has on the body, biology, physiology, everything. And so I just started to discover in my, in my space there, I started to discover when I was learning through all the different people I was learning from and particularly when I was doing, I guess it was the Bulletproof training, which is now called the Human Potential Institute. That was my last uh, sort of coaching certification that I did. And that 
that in that space there, Dave Asprey spoke a lot about like the lighting and junk light and the effects of artificial light. And so I would have been four or five years ago now, I would have got really interested in lighting and, and it, sound, it just resonated with me and made a lot of sense. And it wasn't much I had to sort of get convinced by where I feel a lot of people out there these days just don't really understand light nor understand the importance that light has on us as human beings. And so I started experimenting with the UVEX glasses. Um, that's what I would personally recommend for most people that aren't willing to invest a huge amount of money into, say, my glasses, for instance, if they wanted to spend $20 just to see if blue blocking actually works, that's a great way to start. And that's how I personally started. So uh, I started wearing those wraparound ugly orange goggles um, at night and the effects were quite instant. And then I noticed that even more, like they would accumulate over time. So as I consistently wore blue blockers from sunset, I noticed the benefits and that just became a habit for me to keep doing it. So I, yeah, I really got, that was my first like sort of experience, like felt experience. And so I had read a lot and learned a lot prior to that. And then I just applied the, by wearing the glasses consistently. So I actually felt what it was like to actually improve my sleep. And I didn't felt like, feel like my sleep needed much improvement. I just felt sort of drawn to doing this because it made a lot of sense. And I'm not understanding, like just logically thinking like how the effects of artificial lighting that these screens have on our biology that we're not having, we haven't evolved under. So that just made a lot of sense to me to experiment with. And so that's really led me, that really led me into further into lighting. And so a lot of people understand artificial light is not good and blue light is the sort of the buzzword, I guess, around artificial light. It's the like the unnatural spectrum that spikes in the lighting spectrum. So there's a harsh spike in the blue spectrum of lighting and hence they call it blue light, but it's essentially this artificial light. It's um, very unnatural for us to be exposed to and we haven't evolved under that lighting. And so I got really fascinated and so I started to go deeper into lighting Indy's looking at me and rolling her eyes. I may be going to a tangent. <laughs> I think you're not really leaving me room to ask you questions. You're just sort of going with the whole thing, preempting what I'm going to ask you. I haven't looked at the whiteboard, but... He totally has. I haven't. I have not looked at the whiteboard. He's literally rattling off what my questions are. Well, there you go. That's perfect. So it saves you asking me any questions. This then. would just be one big long monologue with you. Great. That's, I think the audience should love that. I think it's just me talking nonstop. So. I think one good thing that you said to em- that is really important to emphasize to people is that regardless of the diet that some of the experts that we've um, heard subscribe to, sleep was undisputably one of the most important aspects of health. And I think that's why you're probably so drawn to it because it didn't matter what your philosophy or um, – or specific um, diet you subscribe to, this was applicable to everybody. And so it was something that's, I guess, very factual and there's not much, um, there's, it's not as cloudy. There's not as much confusion about it and it's very logical. So I guess for a guy that's, yeah, probably very attractive. And yeah, funny, you also mentioned about the UVX goggles because you know that's what I started wearing as well. Oh, Before wow. your glasses. <laughs> Before my glasses. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, they weren't around then, so they were only in the creation stage. But yeah, I guess you've covered most of what I was going to ask you next, which is... Well, we're done. Seven minutes in. Love it. <laughs> Maybe you could go a bit more into your understanding of sleep and blue light and yeah. philosophy of sleep. Sure. Okay, so my philosophy on blue light and sleep... I'll backtrack a bit and what got me so interested and so deep into the space as well, just to give some context for people out there was I get the person I would say that had the biggest influence on me to understand lighting was Dr. Jack Cruz, the neurosurgeon from the U S and that would have been, I can't remember three years, four years ago now, I'm not sure, but I found him through the health space 
and I would I did binge every one of his podcasts that he's been on, and I downloaded them all offline onto my phone, and I would take my dog for a walk and just binge his podcasts. And for those who aren't familiar, Dr. Jack Cruz, he's, he's very technical, and a lot of it didn't make a lot of sense to me, but there was the understanding and the takeaways I got from it of biophysics, which he speaks a lot about, was like light, water, and magnetism being three core elements that have like huge effects on human beings. And so I really went into that world. I learned a lot for that period, went very intensely into that space. I read all the books that he recommended that I read on lighting. I still have these books and I find them, they've been very profound books. And that really shaped my understanding of biophysics and the element of light in uh, the effects on us as well. So that got me into space of really understanding light and wanting to do everything I can to optimize it for myself and now eventually be able to help that and share that with others. And so I forgot the question that you asked specifically. So, uh, I forgot to now. No, um, your philosophy with sleep and how that ties back to sleep and blue light. Right. My philosophy on sleep. <laughs> well, it's, it's pretty, a deep question. It's pretty, it's pretty simple to be honest. Uh, just block blue light at night. <laughs> like, I guess block blue light or block artificial light anytime you're around it. So, daytime is just as important. But mm. when it comes to sleep, I feel it is as you and I experience. It's every single night, not just like we miss a couple of nights because it's very noticeable if you don't wear them. But if when the sun sets, unless we're in an environment here where we decide to have a screen-free night and there is no artificial lighting and we have either candles or a fireplace going or our red head torches, then we are always wearing our blue blocking glasses. If we leave the house at night, it's part of our routine to our phone and our car keys and our blue blocking glasses, um, particularly obviously Barkley eyewear. And th- yeah, and so that's just, it's just become a nature, like a second nature for us to have them. And it's just a no brainer to wear them consistently because it's, it is incredibly easy to implement with such profound effects on not just circadian rhythms, so not just your sleep cycles, but also just on eye health as well. So that's my really philosophy is that once the sun sets, put on blue blockers, Specifically, I might probably will ask me the spectrums or the right blue boxes to wear as well. So they have to be tinted at least amber, if not red, ideally. And we can go into that maybe down the track. But at least for now, it's like my philosophy is simple. Just you have to wear blue blocking glasses unless your house is conducive to that of fire lighting or some sort of amber dark red lighting. Then you, I feel it's unnecessary to wear blue blockers. But if you have a screen or even most LEDs or fluorescence, any sort of artificial lighting that's not conducive to, say, fire, or the, the same spectrum of lighting, the warmth from firelight or candlelight, then you, blue blocking glasses is an absolutely essential. So that's my personal opinion. I feel like it's the lowest one of, if not the lowest hanging fruit for effectiveness on sleep quality. I feel there's so many other things that we personally do, and most of you will understand listening to this first season on sleep. There are so many factors involved with sleep, um, when it comes to dietary, different supplementations, different environmental factors, different lifestyle factors. And so all these definitely are very important as well. And part of that holistic approach that we believe in, but I feel that for one of the best places to start and such immediate results and to continue to use as well is blue blocking glasses, especially that the right kind of blue blocking glasses, which we'll go into so I guess I really, I don't know if that answers your questions of my philosophy on sleep, but mm-hmm. it's my philosophy on sleep around blue light and the effects it has on I sleep. I think another good one to ask as well is what's your philosophy on sunglasses? Yeah. So that's a, that's a good one because this might lead into me talking about sunglasses. So I guess a great rule of thumb is if a company sells blue blocking glasses and sunglasses, do not buy blue blocking glasses from them because I do not understand the biophysics of light they don't understand the effects that natural sunlight has on our biology so if you it's not it's really not difficult to go out there and find really good books really good researchers very good people that have done this research over decades now 
Dr. Jack Cruz is a great place to start. It can get quite technical, but he can recommend books and other experts to go into and really discover that. But I find, yeah, sunglasses, I I mean, I loved wearing sunglasses growing up. This is a great accessory, but I haven't worn them for years now just because I, I have that understanding of the effects that the of blocking out sunlight this the sun that we have evolved as human beings under for how long or however long we've been here on this planet we're not we born we weren't born with sunglasses on and we're not meant to be wearing sunglasses there is an accessory has been added in and it not only does it is it detrimental to the eyes it's just an unnecessary um to wear because if people truly understood the biophysics of it they wouldn't wear it um but unfortunately it's just there's the way the world is and people don't have that full understanding of it so just i guess long story short with sunglasses it essentially blocks out the spectrum of sunlight into your eyes so your eyes are something to for us to create a good example in the book i read and i think the book was john ott from memory health and light it's a book from the 70s or 80s i read a couple of years ago and it had a big impact on me as well so this this goes into sunlight and sunglasses a lot and that gave me my deep understanding of the effects on it as well so if you're out in the sun and you're wearing sunglasses your eyes are like they are like the the pillar to what your body sort of produces so to produce melanin in your skin that you allow the body to tan if you're wearing sunglasses it's blocking that ability so therefore you get you can get sunburned a lot easier whereas if your eyes are exposed to the sun out there your body naturally produces more melanin to protect your skin from the ultraviolet ultraviolet radiation from the sun so we've evolved with all these very intricate abilities as human beings to be in nature and with certain different sort of i guess aspects of health as well and so wearing sunglasses just blocks that ability for our eye which has the clock as well so you're blocking out beneficial uh, effects of the sunlight of full spectrum sunlight that has also on our body which people do not understand the full aspect of that and how that actually plays into everything else as well so if you're if you go outside and you feel like you can't um, if the sun's too bright for your eyes and you have to wear sunglasses, that's not a good sign. It's a very good sign. You have very low dop- dopamine levels. And Dr. Jack Cruz shares this a lot is that if you can't wake up, if you go to look out at the morning sun and do some morning sun gazing, which we obviously enjoy doing, it can be difficult in the winter months when it's not there. But if you wake up in the morning around sunrise or sunset, and if you can't, if you look towards the sun and if your eyes start to water a lot, it's a good le- there's a good indication of very low dopamine levels in your body. And so that's a, that's a great way to sort of, I guess, test how levels of dopamine. And so dopamine is very important as well, neurotransmitter. That's, again, another whole story. But yeah, with sunglasses for sure, I know that's something I've seen pop up and I've seen blue blocking people that selling and be successful with blue blocking glasses going into the um, realm of um, sunglasses as well. And I just see that it's just a big, uh, big no-no. If they obviously do not understand the full, understand the lighting that that sun has on our on our biology, and so if people are scared about getting sunburnt or that as well, just again wear more longer long sleeve clothing or wear a big hat or find the shade. It's like that's more effective than just sitting and baking yourself outside with sunglasses on, uh, and that's just it, having such a detrimental effects effect on human beings uh, beyond what they can really sort of comprehend right now. Mm. Because I think it's really important to note, like Dan was saying, we the eyes are able to take in light and tell the rest of our body what time of day it is. So if you're taking that away from it, say in the middle of the day when the sun's at its brightest, sure, it might be blocking the really bright sun for you, but you're also blocking that signal to the brain and the rest of the body that tells it that it's midday. And so it should be performing the functions that it performs at midday to get you ready to then, you know, have a great sleep as well because your melatonin will be released at the right time because it knew it was midday, midday. Now, another really important thing to note is that this is taking into account where we live in here in Australia and, you know, it being not the 70s but 2020 because, as we know, we do have um, quite a harsh sun and, you know, holes in the ozone layer over Australia. But the thing is, it would be much, much better for you to, I mean, you're not going to be sun gazing at the middle of the day when the sun's at the brightest. You have it on your phone in weather, in the weather app, where you can actually see what the UV index is. So I think it would be 
somewhere under, you know, three or four where it's actually at a very safe level. And I think most of winter, even during the middle of the day, it's about at that level in Australia here anyway. Well, I guess the best way for people, to, if they wanted to, I get you going to sun gazing, what I personally use and what I've been recommended through all these people as well as the D-Minder app, which tells you the, um, gives you the, the radius of where the sun goes over. So the rule of thumb is that you, you can look towards the sun in a direction. Obviously, don't be looking like directly at it the whole time but just looking towards the direction of the sun um when the sun is below 30 degrees of the horizon pretty sure that's the accurate number at 30 degrees once it once it goes above 30 degrees from the horizon then uvb becomes present in the atmosphere and then therefore it's not really beneficial nor recommended to be looking toward the sun Mm -hmm. obviously if you're outside peripheral sunlight will come in and you will have the ability to sort of adapt and um if yeah again another thing too if you're grounded to the earth as well as you're getting the electrons from the earth it's that's a whole different space in itself and it's also a time thing like going into that exposure again as well it's also very important, the amount of time that you have. So there's a, a good window. I forget what the amount is, but I think some say it's about, you know, 15 minutes or so, depending on your skin type. And, you know, it, it gets very technical and individual there. As Dane said, there's a really good app for it that goes into all of that. But it really is about the time that you are exposed to the sun as well, where you can avoid those detrimental effects and reap all the benefits of the positive Effect. There's something I want to go into as well. I just realized about 20 minutes in and I don't know how much we've actually shared. That's important to the, I guess people can be the judge of that, but that was something important you mentioned too. I wanted to share was that the, the, I learned a lot what Dr. Jack Cruz goes into. He, I learned a lot from him, but I haven't gone into, I've, I sort of evolved past that now. And he, he, he has a huge focus on, on just pretty much living out in the sun. And so do a lot of his, I guess, protégés that are in the blue blocking space now as well. They, it just, everything is just driving people out into the sun. But I don't think that's also the answer. I feel there's a balance there. And I guess that's everything that we want to share is in living holistically is that the sun's not evil. The sun's very important, but then we can't be driving people out because it depends on so many other factors as well. The quality of their health, their ability to absorb UV and absorb sunlight effectively, uh, whether they're wearing sunglasses, when they leave it on the earth as well. And so if you're living in Australia, it's a very different story if you're living in the Northern Hemisphere. And so a lot of the, uh, a lot of what Dr. Jack Cruz recommends now is just getting out in the sun and, like, and just getting, almost baking himself in, in Mexico. And so that's, I feel that's a very extreme <laughs> situation and and i wouldn't recommend that ourselves but we but then we also have the other extreme we know of people um close to us as well in the health space that avoid the sun because of the know of especially we're down under here avoid because of the the ozone layer and because of the like the detrimental effects that ultraviolet radiation has on our skin and aging and all that aspect of it and i feel there's a balance in the middle of that somewhere i feel that we can't i don't personally feel we avoid because when we've noticed ourselves when we have exposure to the sunlight through winter, through summer, whatever that is, and we can have the natural ability to, we, it's, it increases our serotonin and dopamine and all the neurotransmitters as well. But I feel that's so, it's such a vital, uh, nutrient almost to have exposure to. And we moved up to the mountains here. And so our lighting exposure is like six months of a lot like colder. Right now it feels like two degrees. And it's, we had like a day last week of, or a week or two ago of sun came out and we just, we really sort of absorbed and got out there and it, it made a huge difference in our mood and everything as well. So we find that's very important to have that balance. But then some people can go the extreme and just be sunbaking all day out there. And I think for Australians, it's just be very conscious of not going out there in summer and baking yourself and then lathering yourself full of chemically laden uh, sunscreen that absorbs right into your largest organ on your body, which is your skin. And then that goes on. You're wearing sunglasses as well. And so you're just no wonder people are getting sick when they're out and they're blaming the sun for what Mm -hmm. man did. So... That's, I guess that goes into the whole um, balance behind sunlight exposure, particularly for Australians. And I think if you're experiencing um, that it's really hard to go without sunglasses at first, that's completely normal because your eyes have become adapted to using them. So I found when I stopped using sunglasses again, um, probably a couple of years ago now, it was really challenging at first because your eyes become accustomed to it but again the same is true with not wearing them your eyes will get used to not having them and maybe it's just a slow transition but 
eventually your eyes will be totally fine to not have sunglasses and not be dependent on them. And wearing sunglasses at night, Corey Hart and song from the eighties. <laughs> it's it's essentially is it's reverse the reverse sunglass method. So you you do not wear sunglasses during the day. You let your eyes be exposed to natural sunlight, and at night time you block your eyes. You block your eyes with obviously not sunglasses but blue blockers. So mm. it's we call it like the the reverse sunglass method. You're wearing sunglasses at night essentially because they look like sunglasses when you have their orange or either a dusk or delta clips on. Yeah, because it's completely unavoidable. It's not just your screens like most people emphasize on and stick on. It's actually all the street lights. It's all um, it's all the street lights. It's all the car lights. It's any building you're in. Oh, yeah, I'm looking at Dane again. Sorry, it's any street lights. It's uh, car lights. It's any building you're in will have those lights. Um, so avoiding them becomes really critical as well. It's not just your screen. And another thing is, I know it's really hard as well. It's not just, you know, it's... <laughs> Dane said it's a no-brainer not to wear them because, you know, it's it's so factual. It's it's not good for you. But I know that it's a really, it's a really hard habit to form. So I don't know if you have some tips for people to share. In regards to... About wearing them, because it's a no-brainer, you know, consistently. Blue blockers? Yeah. Yeah. Sorry, I just lost the train of thought <laughs> for a bit. Uh, it's a no-brainer for wearing blue blockers. Tips for that. But my honest, my honestly, my best recommendation for people is to get a pair of Uvex, or we'll, probably, we'll put it in the show notes for this, a pair of the glasses that it because if people are so just, I don't know, resistant to believing, understanding the light, and don't want to actually go into the research themselves spending $20 on a pair of these things that can have profound impacts on your sleep and therefore on your waking hours as well. That is a great place to start. It's how we personally started. So I'd recommend that. And then if you, once you feel the effects of that, and if you want to wear them outside of the house, obviously UVX are not very aesthetically pleasing. So therefore I hence why I went into creating my glasses the way they, they are. And so that may then lead to you investing in a pair of um, Barclay eyewear, but as one of the best tips I'd say is just you're not going to if you're going to consistently look for evidence to prove this is actually effective and the mainstream media will not be sharing this information consistently Apple try to integrate a a night shift feature onto their phone which is almost useless but it's starting to sort of move the narrative towards people understanding the effects of blue light um, it's still a long way to go but in the alternative health space that we've been in for years now is just common knowledge and it's just the way it is. But we love to be able to bridge into the mainstream and get people to genuinely feel the effects that these have. So there's nothing more uh, potent, I believe, than anecdotal experience, like felt lived experience of what it's like to have really good sleep after wearing um, blue blocking glasses until bedtime. So another sort of point I want to throw in there as well is that when I say wearing blue blocking glasses, so if you to buy a pair of UVX glasses or wherever, whichever ones we put into the show notes, if you click on that link and buy a pair under $20 and wear them, the, the keys to wear them consistently as well, and not just to wear them for one night or two nights and say, I didn't see, feel any difference. I recommend, I think, consistently for about two weeks, you'd probably notice you start to really shift your circadian rhythm and you will start to align to the your natural circadian rhythm for you. And so people that feel like they're night hours or oh, they're asked out too late, it's just simply they're exposed to too much stimulants as well, whether that's artificial light from screens. So if you were to wear a pair of blue blockers, I say good luck to try to stay awake because if you've never worn blue blocking before, blue blocking eyewear before and if you're blocking the right spectrum that these orange amber glasses do then you will find your eyes getting extremely heavy and then you find yourself falling asleep and having a deeper sleep than you probably ever felt before so if you've never had blue blocking glasses before then getting a, pair, a cheap pair of these for twenty dollars that you can keep uh for life essentially if you don't break them then that has such a profound impact in your sleep and you can wear them in your house comfortably but the important thing is, is wearing consistently, but also don't take them off as well. So once you, once the sun sets in wherever you live in the world, you wear them until you literally go to bed. So if you need to have a shower, we personally do here, we don't have the light on in the shower. And so we just have our red head torch to shine the light in the shower while we have a shower or put a candlelight on. And so it's also important too, because if you do get exposed to 
even a few minutes of artificial light from LED downlights to screens or whatever that looks like that will suppress the melatonin release in your body as well. So it, they've done studies to show that as well, that that effect can have on the body. So I think everyone's experienced this as well when they've gotten up in the middle of the night or early in the morning to go to the bathroom and have put a light, bright light on, you know, it really wakes the body up quite quickly. You know, you're, you're moving about too, but it's that light, that blue light that tells you, hang on, it's morning. We don't need to go back to bed. <laughs> so um, I think one of the most, um, one of the easiest ways to consistently wear them so you can start to feel that difference is to have an accountability by the buddy, whether that's your partner or whether that's just a friend um, so that you know you check in with each other that you're wearing them or that you're wearing them. And also the other thing you could do is just an alarm if you don't have an accountability buddy or you could have a, a habit app where you're building that habit and it's really rewarding to tick it off every day. We personally use the Done app and we find that's a really rewarding and easy way to build habits. Um And another thing is that's important to mention, we spend so much on supplements for sleep that, you know, it's crazy. You just have to keep buying that supplement again and again and again. Whereas we say blue blockers is a really low hanging fruit because you just buy it once and you reap the rewards every single night. I think also another really important thing to note when you said the right spectrums, can you explain a little bit more about some of the the claims that the clear ones make about sleep. So good. Love you <laughs> asked that question. I was wondering when you're going to start digging into Barclay Eyewear and comparatives to other glasses out there. And um, yes, yeah, so that, that's a really good one. So as you would know, Indy, as well, that you see how I still, to this day, and even though I've tried a lot to tap my way through this as well, to let go of the triggers when I see these other companies out there uh, promoting their blue blockers, uh, specifically their clear blue blockers. So there's, um, there's a lot of companies out there now, a lot of them that you will see if you're on Instagram or Facebook or anywhere, and they're promoting like crazy. And a lot of them are making a lot of money from it as well. It's a very big lucrative industry, the eyewear glasses. It's a trillion dollar industry. And so a lot of people making money off stuff and they off these glasses and they're making claims that just are not true. And so there are a lot in Australia and the rest of the world. If you see blue blocking glasses and if you have, if they're clear, people get confused and like to promote that they actually help with better sleep, which is just simply not true because you have to have a tinted lens from at least an amber to a red, specifically the right spectrum. So up to 550 nanometers blocking, which is ideal, which has been shown to, which is like the blue and the red uh, blue and the green spectrum of um, light on the lighting spectrum. So people want to really dig into the spectrums of lighting and the effects in the biology. It's not hard to find information. I got most of that for free from reading books and blogs and Dr. Jack Cruz's work and everyone from that. So it's, yeah, you're not going to really have the benefit on melatonin release and melatonin if, if you're not going to block that right spectrum of lighting. So with most, with all those, actually all the clear blue blocking glasses out there that promote that's, that actually help with better sleep, it, it's just a false claim. And that I do get triggered because I see these companies that are successful and people are buying into that, that the clear actually helps their sleep. The only benefit for the clear blue blocking glasses and I personally have the clear blue blocking lenses in my base frames. And so the only benefit for that is through the daytime and mainly in front of a computer or if you're in an office or if you're in a, I guess, a daytime setting. That's the only real benefit you get from that would be around digital eye strain and just sort of preventing sort of that, I guess, you may prevent headaches and all that that's associated with digital eye strain as well. And so that's a real benefit of that is just for that. Um, but all the clear, no matter how they claim it, whether they call whatever they call their lenses, it's exactly the same spectrum they block. No one has anything special. So my clear blue blocking lenses are exactly the same as every other clear blue blocking lenses out there. They're all made in China where mine are and they'll all have the same block, the same spectrum and they're only designed for daytime use. And so when they say otherwise, that's just really clever marketing for them to benefit from themselves. So you have to really have the amber or red 
tinted glasses. So when you see companies out there, blue blocking companies that have the amber and red tint and they tell you specifically the nanometer range they block, then you know you're on, on the right track at least there. So um, the companies that don't promote that just don't have the information, the true information behind that to, to actually understand everything else. And just for them, for a lot of them as well, it's just a business for them. And so um, I do get triggered still and I try my best just to focus on what I'm doing and the impact that I can have and the knowledge I can share from everything that I've learned and what I believe and what I've experienced as well. And so, yeah, I guess that really answers the question for clear blue blocking glasses mm. out there. Liking what you've heard so far? Make sure you don't miss an episode by clicking subscribe. We really appreciate all your support. Now let's get back to the show. Yeah, and I think there's a lot of independent videos and stuff with people with spectrometers, which are the instruments that measure the light where they've used a whole bunch of different blue blockers and the clear ones clearly showed that they didn't have any effect with blocking the blue light or very little. And it was really those amber or um, darker red and orange ones that were blocking the most. And I guess just a note on that too, the only reason why I decided to, if people may ask the question, I don't know if they're thinking this, but why I have clear blue blocking lenses in my frames. The only reason why I decided to do that and not go for just straight to the amber and red, because that's where the real benefit sort of kicks in. The only reason why I did that is because aesthetically I wanted to bridge from the mainstream or from the alternative world to the mainstream and get as little resistance as possible for people to feel comfortable wearing these glasses. And I found that tinted lenses were um, a bit of a, I guess, resistance point for people. And so I found if I can create a pair with a clear base lens, people may feel comfortable wearing glasses and still get some benefit from blue blocking glasses during the day. day. And then if I provide them with the three clip-ons that I do in the pair, day, dusk and delta clip-ons, they can adjust them and take an on, on and off as they wish and slowly get accustomed to wearing tinted lenses and the reaping the benefits you get from wearing those lenses. And so the only reason why I created clear and also aesthetically as well with the clip-ons, I found they look a lot more um, you know, attractive, I guess. Yeah, which is funny because I actually prefer wearing the yellow clip-on on top of my clear during the day because I think that looks better. <laughs> and at work, I get compliments all the time. People don't know what they are, whether they're my glasses or sunglasses. or Yeah, it's really interesting. Touch point that. I find that so annoying how you get consistently complimented. You come home every day from work and say how everyone says your glasses look so great and I get nothing. <laughs> I Just get- for context I, work in- context, I work in a health food store one day a week. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, it's great feedback anyway to get at least you're getting some positive feedback, but it's, uh, I find it funny that I, yeah, I mean that you come home consistently and people are saying how good they look. And it's interesting because no one picks what they are. No one picks that they're blue blockers. It's really funny. So I think I it's know. trendy. I think it's, I guess because there are a lot of celebrities out there where tinted lenses and a lot of big companies out there do tinted lenses just for, fashion i guess it's a very fashion forward thing and i find tinted lenses are definitely coming back into fashion uh yet that's it it benefits us as well and um sort of with the glasses the blue blocking so it's double it not only do they look sort of trendy uh but at the same time you're actually getting an effective use from them as well if you're wearing them out at night Mm, yeah definitely and um do you want to talk a little bit more about the differences in materials that they're made of? Because I know a lot of companies like to differentiate that they've got, um, you know, uh, specifically studied um, lenses or anything like that. Because you know about the industry. Yeah. Do you want to talk about some of the materials? Can you hold that question? I actually yeah. have a thought I just wanted to yeah. share. Because I realized that we're 36 minutes in and people um, might not be aware of if they haven't heard me speak before on other podcasts, why I created these classes. And the, the, I guess one of the biggest drivers behind that as well, that these classes have taken me, I guess, for two years, minimum two years now to get off the ground. And one of the, it was 2017 when my nan passed away in June. And that was, I, I didn't realize at the time, but I really got the idea just came to me of just creating these blue blocking glasses. And there are already plenty of blue blocking glasses out there that I wore and I've experimented with the majority of them out there, but I don't know why this idea just wouldn't leave me. And I, I just, it just kept coming back. And so I had a really good close friend, Hesh, that helped me through so much of my personal stuff to break through through that, to get the glasses to where they are today. Um, and again, the help from family and yourself. And there's a lot of people that, that I guess shaped 
and allowed me to get this off the ground. But the big driver that I didn't connect at the time, which I did later on, was that uh, growing up, my nan was blind for my entire life. And so seeing the, I guess, how difficult it is to be blind and the effects and how little people take or how much people take for granted their eyesight and that I saw that effect and growing up you know, when, I, when I was in acting as well, I was really into, I was driven into becoming this big, famous, wealthy actor so I could get money so I can give my nan surgery to get her to see to get her to see for, to see us and her children. And so that wasn't, that wasn't, um, that never happened for me. And that wasn't my calling in this world right now in this life. And so it led me to where I am right now, which I'm so grateful for. But the big driver, one of the biggest drivers that I connected to, it was funnily enough, the dots connected to me when I was sun gazing one day at home, um, the parents place I'd, every morning I'd go out and barefoot in the ground and sun gaze. And I find it's a very spiritual practice, but it also gave me like an incredible amount of insight. And it just hit me one day as dots connected about how, why I was so passionate about blue blocking and why I was so passionate about lighting, which I couldn't figure out. I was just, I was compelled to create these, but compelled to learn so much about these was that I couldn't save my nan's eyes, eyesight. I couldn't get her to, I didn't have the money or the wealth or any of that. I was too late for that to be able to save her eyes for her to see us. But I felt I could help a lot more other people not go down that road. And so even though my nan's was a genetic um, predisposed to her sort of eyesight as well, and I guess environmental would also have an impact on hers. It's not saying that this will save everyone, but from my understanding, from what Dr. Jack Cruz and everything I've learned down that path is that the macular degeneration is rapidly increasing in younger ages and beyond now. And it's a lot of that is being contributed to sort of overexposure to artificial light. And so I, I can understand what's coming. And if people don't put into practice, um, these tools that we want to share with people um, and protect their eyesight and take and don't take it for granted because I don't know how difficult it must be. And I we did a um, we did a, a I guess like a, I'm going to walk through with a whole family of this. It was in Melbourne. It was like a, a I guess I don't know what you call it. It was you walk through in pitch blackness. Um, it was a room and you had to navigate through. It was in a um, controlled environment. Navigate through. I guess a setting that would be familiar in the outside world. I've totally, I've, we may put in the show notes, but I forget who this company was. And it was an incredible experience for me. Cause I, I've done uh, one in the a dinner in the dark, actually. Yeah, you go. Yeah. yeah, for people that really need to understand what it's like oh to not have sight. Oh, my gosh. I ended up eating the roast chicken with my hands because it was just too hard to go. <laughs> okay. Well, you had roast chicken. I think I usually do that. Anyway. And I had an almost a panic I think attack. I, I, I actually ate roast potatoes with my hands in there. And it's all blind servers, so they know how to serve you yeah. in the dark. So, I mean, I can't recommend enough for people to, if they really want to understand what it's like to not have sight. And then mm. that I, I can't comprehend that because we, as kids growing up, we used to walk around with our eyes closed to sort of emulate what it'd be like to be like for Nan. And that was difficult enough, but we can always, we always knew that it can open our eyes and we could see, which is different. Whereas in this um, setting we did and we walked around, it was pitch black. And when I walked in there within the first couple of minutes, I had an almost, almost had a panic attack because I, my eyes were fully open yet. I couldn't see anything. And so that, sort of triggered me and that experience is alone with everything else I've learned growing up on the importance of eyesight and protecting eyesight and preserving eyesight as well. And so there isn't enough, I guess, science out there for people to look into the effects that blue light and artificial light has on the body. We and might the eyes. actually link, there was a really good um, article in, I think the Harvard paper that was uh, published in the last few years. So we'll link that in the show notes as well. Yeah, I guess it's, and if, if you're going to wait for the science to catch up to what we intuitively already know, then it's, it, for some, like some people might be too late. And so I can already see the, so much exposure to screens and it's just coming so prevalent and everyone is just being, especially in Melbourne now, we've been driven indoors into artificial lighting. It's like the more, more than ever, it's important to be either having right lighting in your environment or having blue blocking glasses as, as an essential item for your, for your eyes, for your circadian rhythm, your sleep. There's so many levels beyond that. And that's just, just the tip of the iceberg when it comes to the effects it has on us as, as beings. And so, um, mm. yeah. Yeah. 
your downlights that most people have at home that have actually been switched out to be more energy efficient, you know, the government program that's been doing that and subsidised, those environmentally efficient light bulbs are actually one of the most harmful for our circadian rhythms and eyes. They have, you know, the whole spectrum. um, Well, they have mostly uh, blue and green light, which is the most harmful. So they're not a full spectrum bulb. Um, So they may be more energy efficient, but they are one of the most harmful. And what Dane was saying before as well about we don't have enough evidence for this. One of the reasons is because we've never lived in a time with this much technology and this much lighting around us, this much artificial lighting around us. So we're really living the biggest experiment and the biggest trial of that. And the so far, the results and the effects, like the preliminary results don't look good. So, you know, we're not going to be able to change the direction of that on a bigger scale, but individually we can all do, you know, a lot and we can all, you know, there's, there's some low-hanging fruit, like Dan was saying, with the blue blockers. That's a very easy thing to do daily. And I, I just can't comprehend you saying that too. Like, I constantly, as you know, I, I can continue to relay this to you. I'm like, I can't comprehend how some people just, it does not sit with them. And some people like myself and we have so many friends and the family, it's just like, yeah, they wear their blue blockers and just become second nature and it just is. But there's so many people out there who's just, whether they're skeptical of it or something or think it's a scam, I'm, I'm not sure they're, I can't understand human behavior and why they wouldn't invest, I say $20 in a pair of glasses that can have such profound impacts on your sleep and on your health and everything as well. It's like, it's such a small investment such a massive gain from it as well. And so that part of me, I just can't understand human behavior and why it lands for some people and why it doesn't. And so I'm hoping this information can get out there and can plant some seeds for people. And so if you like to take action and just, if you don't have the money, like right now, a $20 pair of, of those glasses will have such a good impact. And if you then want to, from that point, upgrade to your pair, then Barclay Highway is always there. And if you have a pair and you're not using it consistently, really consider starting those habits and the ways that we've mentioned to start those habits. So once it becomes a habit, you're not going to have to, you know, do that the rest of your life, obviously. Yeah. Your eyes will adjust to it. Once you adjust to the blue blockers, once you have two weeks, I say minimum two weeks, consistent use of them, then you will not want to wear them because the effects of having effects of not wearing them are very noticeable and very harsh. Like the, the blue light we get from screens now of Indian eye, like we're exposed to it, whether it's car street lights or screens at nighttime, it's very harsh and very noticeable, very alien to us. And I think just on that as well, worth mentioning is some people, when they start wearing them because they're used to such bright lit environments, find it hard to go about their normal things. And this is just like the sunglasses again. It's just an adjustment period and your eyes will again get used to it and with that level of light doing things. And there are different levels of the blocking. So, for example, the amber or orange one, that's what um, we use most or I use personally most of the time just because it has that level that really helps with sleep, like the blocking um, but I can still do everything I need to do. Yeah. So to go back on your question now about the the materials. And so mm-hmm. I'll try my best to keep this as quick as possible. Yeah, concisely. <laughs> concisely. You've got 46 minutes in the podcast. And so the, I guess there are a lot of blue blockers out there as well. They might state whatever materials, but they're essentially either made from plastic or from acetate. And so plastic, obviously, if people are aware, isn't an, an ideal it's a lighter material and it's cheaper to make. And I know there's a few block, blue blockers out there um, that I've I've had friends that brought me a pair that's um, from a company that's doing really well now. And they're, they're plastic and they're very light. And so if you notice, they're very quite light and rather flimsy um, or a cheaper uh, material and they're more likely to break as well. And so... Mm, it, I think we had a pit, one of your old pairs break that was plastic. Yeah, I think really the pla- it's, it's just not a good material to have. And so if you want to have a pair of... Um, like robust glasses and cellulose acetate is a na- more natural material. And that's what Barclay Arwa made from. I make sure I source quality, strong material, and I intend to have them last for years if you take good care of them. And so they're made from acetate. I drop mine all the time, by the way. Yeah. we, we <laughs> So many times. <laughs> yeah, we hit each other. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's, we've yeah made good use of them over the years and that I've been experimenting with them as well. And so the material themselves is, is a strong, sturdy, um, sturdy cellulose acetate. And that's key. So if you're looking for a blue blockers out there, if they're plastic, they're most likely going to break and they're cheaper. 
and then also cheaper to well, make that cheaper is. to make that is. They yeah. might be priced at a similar price as acetate. Actually, we've yeah, seen that we have seen that. So people because they they can increase their profit margin. They're understanding. So understanding what it's like the whole process of me creating these glasses. I have to go through. I'm not a business person. I just have. I'm a very creative person. Wanting to create something and innovate something that wasn't out there. So I had no intention to create and compete with other blue blocking companies out there because there were plenty already out there and now there's a lot more on the market. Because it took you so long. It took me so long and took, it took so much. You saw how much, how difficult it was for me to, I was. Because I think that's an important thing to note. Making something that hasn't been designed before takes so much longer than just putting something that's already designed in China that you can just, you Straight know, off the yeah. shelf. Yeah. And I wish I did that because I had to go back and forth with our supplier. But you um, don't really. Consistent. I know I don't now, but at the time and dozens of times I wanted to throw in the towel because it just got, it was just too difficult. And also I felt like I wish I just created what everyone else did because it was so much easier to create what or is already out there in the market, but to create what I had to do with the clip-ons and everything around that as well. And so that just became very difficult for me to do. And as you saw, Indy, that was, uh, I was like curled up in fetal positions and rocking back and forth sometimes <laughs> because it got so difficult to navigate things. And my ego got in the way of wanting to be the biggest and the best and um, make people aware that I'm the biggest and the best. And so it's a whole journey of letting go of my ego and just creating these pair and then just doing the best I can to get them out there and help people the best I can. So it gets back to materials as well. There's something else I want to touch base on, but I... The lenses? The lenses, yeah. Lenses is important too. So um, actually the other day I remember commenting someone I was speaking to about the glasses. And so a good comparison is to what the leading um, blue blocking glasses out there, which I can which I sort of refer to as leading because they have the, they block the right spectrums of light. And so there's only a, a handful of them that are out there that actually do that. The majority of the others out there are just clear blue blocking glasses. I don't, I don't consider them to be in the blue blocking world. I think they're just glasses with that look stylish and that can block a very small percentage of blue light. But the leading blue blocking glasses out there, the pricing for theirs, uh, f- what I worked out, the comparative to you'd have to spend. So the Barclay I wears 198 Australian dollars for a pair and they're essentially four pairs of glasses in one pair. And so I created three different clip-ons, the day, the dusk and the delta and the design specifically to born from day to night. And so the day clip-on that India wears, um, often so do I, we wear that when we're in front of the computer and all through the daytime hours. And that's a yellow tint one. And it's a yellow tint, yeah. And that box up to, I think it was, a, uh, you can check the website, I think it's up to 450 nanometers, um, to my understanding at least. And that's the best understanding of my knowledge right now in the lighting biophysics space that may and most likely will evolve and the technology will most likely evolve as well. But right now, it's like the base understanding that most people have. And then the dusk and the delta clips are essentially two night clips. So the dusk clip is a, an amber orange tint. And that's the, I guess, the one we wear more consistently when we leave the house. And that blocks up to 500 nanometers of the blue light, of, of artificial light. And then the delta clip-on blocks up to 550 nanometers, which is the most that um, I'm aware of that you can block uh, without being just without being too obtrusive to your <laughs> to be able to see through the um so the, the red tint is quite dark and so if you're in home at night time the red one's great um if you're going to be driving or out and about then it's not the most ideal tint because it it's very dark and be very difficult to sort of navigate around so they're the tints and comparatively if you're to buy um get the same level of effectiveness from these leading blue blocking companies. I've worked out you have to spend at least a minimum of 500 Australian dollars to get the benefits and the functionality that I created in my glasses for 198. And so I may have underpriced the hell out of my, my glasses, but my intention is to get them into as many hands as possible and not have such a ridiculous profit margin, which I've seen now understanding the whole process of creating these and the cost behind them. I can understand these other blue blocking companies must have quite enormous profit margins. And that's not my, and that's not my intention. So mm-hmm. I guess eventually people can be able to see, uh, can feel into that as well. And so my intention is to still grow the business, which is important, but at the same time, not make it, make it uh, accessible for the majority of people out there. And so I could have easily put it to $300 and still be um, a way better option than everyone else out there. But I wanted to keep it at a price that I felt um, would 
would accessible. accessible for the majority of people out there and give them a massive amount of value for what it is. So again, I said, I've already done the comparative to other ones. If you want to get the same effects, because these other blue blockers out there just have a day or a night pair. And so if you want to get the same benefit, you have to buy two minimum two pairs, if not three pairs, and their individual pairs are varying from 150 to 200 Australian dollars for one pair of glasses. Uh, and that blocks out one spectrum or one area of light. So you want to get a day pair and a night pair, then you have to spend, yeah, it, it worked out to about close to $500 to get the same level of functionality that mine created. So that was pretty cool when I learned that. And so <laughs> I wanted to make sure that was clear and people understood that as well as that the clear blue blocking glasses are just not in the same realm. And then the other leading ones that mm-hmm. do block that are, um, yeah. Sorry, I let you finish. Yeah, I think that was it, I think. Yeah. I was just pretty much comes, just, I guess it I was just boating that line back to, to No, but I guess it comes down to like being transparent and yeah. your ethics and mm. around that. Um, yeah. I guess in the future, we'll be doing a and get around to it and all the tasks yeah. to do a breakdown of the pricing yeah, so and that, what they actually cost. Yeah, so that's, I think my marketing budget now, I'm, I'm slowly working towards getting more exposure. And again, I'm not a business person, so it's taken me a lot longer to get off the ground with this as well. But I'm doing my best to be able to reach more people with this and get the information out there and show them the difference and being as, as transparent as possible because I feel like a lot of these companies aren't and they're definitely in it for the business and for the profits as well. Whereas I'm just in it to make a difference and, and hopefully at the same time grow, grow the business so I can help more people as well. And so there, I noticed that what obviously what I'm moving towards for the future as well is that I'm very driven. Thanks to, you know, Indy as well is sustainability and having things that are having the package, um, and everything about it, uh, as, eco-conscious as possible which i don't see the others out there doing which is okay because i shouldn't be comparing it to others out there i'm just doing what i'm driven to and so actually in the process of figuring out how can we write a personal note in there without it being on a piece of paper that someone's just going to throw in the bin straight away how to keep it more sustainable and so thanks to you being more sustainable focused as well i don't see other companies doing that and i feel i feel drawn to that and i I just feel makes a lot of sense and as thanks to you as well so right now the best that i can do is ship it out in a compost 100 percent compostable uh shipping mailer what would you call it package um and that come also comes with a 100 percent compostable label as well so if people when they get the package they can literally throw the whole thing out in their compost if they have one um, but we're going to transition to see what's the most... There is uh, also communal compost for people that don't have compost. There you go. But I think it's, again, an education thing. Yeah. So people, we might not be there yet. You know, we might be better to go with recycled packaging still because I don't think every single person knows how to compost yet. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, so I guess that was a big driver as well moving forward in the future for Barclay Hardware as well is to create uh, the most eco as possible, but also functionality in terms of blocking the right spectrums and also accessibility and having all those factors evolved in there is like is where I want to drive everything towards. So right now I'm doing the best that I can with what I have. And even like it's taken me a lot, a lot, a lot of hours to inspect every single pair that goes out and I've taken out, removed the soft plastic that comes in from China there and put into a giant bag and we recycle that soft plastic as well. So that's my, that's what I can do right now to be more eco-conscious, more sort of environmentally conscious. And then I ship them out in a hundred percent compostable mailer. And then the actual inside itself, there's little waste in there as well. I've created the insert to be a bookmark to be reused as well. And so these are all factors that I'm trying to integrate over time and in the best that I can. And so I'm trying to sort of, um, I guess my perfectionism's come out and that can sort of delay the process of things because yeah. I want things to be perfect. You want to be the best in the start. <laughs> I want to be the best in the very start, which is sort of insane, but it sometimes can hinder me, but at the same time it's going to allow me to create these things that are unlike anything else out there. How's that for a boast? <laughs> <laughs> Blame my own trumpet. So. Um, yeah, it's, mm. it's really, I think it's really hard to talk about something and all the positives of them when it's about yourself it seems yeah. like you're you know you're talking about yourself when it's your business because you've put every, so much into it yeah but naturally um but no i think it is just you're just talking about the facts and your passion about it and i think yeah i think people can tell your intentions are good and with that i think it would be really nice for you to leave people with your uh, three tips for better sleep or amazing sleep. Mm. 
I should have looked at your whiteboard so I could have um, <laughs> preempted some answers for that one. What are three tips for amazing sleep? The low-hanging fruit. Things are that are accessible, yeah. you know, being affordable, yeah. so that, um, that's easy what, to do. I guess that's a real, again, for people listening to this as well, this is a real important aspect and a pillar for our coaching, but also for our Livalistically brand as well, is it has to be practical and economical for the large majority of people. So if you're out there and you say, oh, I found the best thing ever out there, and it's like, how much is it, $1,000? Like, well, that's just not economical for majority of people. And so for us, it's like, we have, we've gone through periods of time now, even recently with very little money and been having to be, had to be extremely frugal with it. And what are the most lowest hanging fruits to have still have positive impacts on our, like on everything, mm. on all our beings as well. So I found, I guess those three tips for amazing sleep that I find that are also practical that can be applied straight away. That's economical I as well. I can think of three if you need. Yeah, well, I mean, just as I said before, uh, the f- an instant one to put in would be we put a link in the bio for the the Uvex glasses or the wraparound orange glasses, which are around twenty dollars. It's super economical, so it's very little resistance to trying that out, and that's something you can apply. Wear it for weeks at an, like two weeks and then you'll see the difference and then from there you can make the choice then if you have the money you can always upgrade to a pair of Barclay eyewear and then yeah go from there so that'd be one the second one I'd say too would be invest in a a headlamp that we have as well we'll put that link in the bio the one we use it's $20 I think or just over $24 maybe on on Amazon and we'll give the one that we recommend and use rechargeable obviously for multiple reasons as well environmentally so uh that one is key as well so that, therefore at night time if you want to switch all your lights off and you want to navigate around the house or if you need to wake up during the night to go to the bathroom you have the red head torch on the red function and you use the red function and you can navigate throughout the house as well so that's so far about 40 or 50 dollars which can have massive impacts on your sleep and that's very practical and it's very economical and then the third one would be I think eating early. Yeah, I was going to say a that. Really yeah. big impact. Yeah, that was big key one for sure. So that. So you're not still digest- nah, digesting. Yeah, <laughs> and it's very big on the, the how we our lifestyle and what we eat and how I've been, I've been doing this for a while now too is is decreasing the quantity of your food at night and ideally sticking to say a vegetarian dinner. And so the reason because why meat takes longer to digest. because uh, understandably meat takes longer to digest or animal protein does. Uh, we eat most of the animal protein during the daytime. So for lunch now we will have most likely have animal protein, the beef or chicken or eggs or fish or whatever that is. And so we find that eating a light vegetarian meal, whether it's mill- millet or quinoa or a vegetable base and, and eating you're still early, getting protein in that. Exactly. Yeah. And so that find that because the reasoning behind that as well, if people aren't familiar with, I, I guess they are quite familiar with these days, but if you're going to bed, if you're eating like a heavy, dense meal, either high in animal protein or fat or carbs or whatever that is, and then going to bed, you're having a full stomach, your body is trying to digest that food. It's not going to prioritize deep or REM or like proper sleep mm-hmm. because it's or going- Or any of its repair functions. Exactly. And, and even to, yeah, all the repair function that comes from deep quality sleep, it's going to go towards digesting that food in your stomach. So therefore we aim and we've integrated ourselves and it's part of the coaching we want to do is creating a routine and structure around eating early. So eating around the, around the sunset period and having a quite a light vegetarian based meal as well. And so therefore when we go to bed, we're not starving and we don't have like, we don't have a full stomach. It's, you find the balance that works with you as well. So that will come with our coaching is helping people find that balance. And so we have, we ourselves have found that sort of point where we go to bed and then we're not hungry, but we still feel like we can, we go into a deep sleep because we have, yeah, we're not sitting, we're not going to bed trying to digest food that needs digesting. And we period. really notice it now the nights that we have big dinners, say, at Dan's parents' house. Yeah. We love the food, but we just, yeah, maybe eat a bit too much. <laughs> and yeah, we definitely don't have as good a sleep now. So we've had to prioritize that. Make sure we, yeah, eat a smaller amount every time. So that's the three tips, right? And we will go, I think we will go into more depth of uh practices that we do um to help with sleep in a wrap-up video at the end of this sleep Mm. season but these are just a few in this episode um for you to quickly implement or look into doing yeah i hope that was useful for people i don't know how much i was rambling on about it i forgot now did i answer your questions in your whiteboard 
Yeah? Yeah. Yeah, sounds pretty good. I just, just, <laughs> I guess, at the same time too, we'll do a wrap up one. It should be the end of the season. We'll do a wrap up uh, episode, which will go and uh, summarize every episode we've been through and the major points that we sort of, the great things to take away to mm-hmm. apply into your lives right Whereas now. Whereas this but- episode was just more focused on, uh, blue light and blue blockers yeah sort of thing. and i guess that there are so many there's so many more rabbit holes we could have gone down into that as well so if people understand mm-hmm. i feel like we've done the best we could in the time frame to yeah. share the main points around that but if people want to learn more about that they're welcome to reach out to us mm-hmm. on any of the platforms or our website or whatever that looks like and want to get more information about i don't know i'll put the show notes in the, in the um I'll put the link in the show notes as well for the books that i that I recommend reading around lighting as well, and maybe even the link to Jackaroo's book. Yeah, how's that? <laughs> Thank you for being here with me. Oh, it's my <laughs> pleasure. It really is. No, I, like I had so much fun today. I can't believe we actually recorded and that in one take. I know, and now it's lunchtime. Now it's lunchtime, and you didn't look at me the whole time too, which is I great. Can't you did. You sort of moved your head a bit, but I'm sort of like close to the mic and looking at you yeah great so i'll get lunch ready and yeah hope you guys enjoy this episode bye thank you for taking the time to be here if you've enjoyed the show please let us know by leaving a review on itunes and sharing it with others which will help us bring you more episodes like this and if you'd like to learn more about us or what's been mentioned head over to liveholistically.com.au forward slash podcast for all the show notes or find us on Instagram at liveholisticallyau. Until next week, be well and take care.